We're going to change it up today. Is that okay with you guys? Honestly, I just don't want to walk all the way to the edge and back again. So we'll work out that. But today, man, I just want to be with you. With you. Oh, Father in heaven. I just thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, not for all that you've done and all that you're doing, but oh my God, what you're about to do. We look forward, Father, to the days ahead and just knowing you, God, in a way maybe some of us have never experienced you before. And so I pray, God, as you knit our hearts together, Father, here, I pray that this church have a, a spirit of unity and love like we've never experienced. And God, I pray that every person that comes in here, when they experience this house for the first or second time, I pray that they leave only remembering who you were, remembering your, your, your spirit, God, and the experience of the love, God, that they walked into this house and found and felt. We love you, Lord, today. Be with us in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Let me just say, first off, uh, I don't even know if I can say it adequately or not. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Those words are superficial in regards to how we feel. Thank you so much. There's a, a ton of love. You know, I was just thinking the other day, I, I thought, Lord, is this too, you know, is this too early in the relationship for me to say I love them? You know, are we, are we there yet? You know, and uh, and I was just, you know, I don't know about you guys and your walk with God, but I like to joke with God, you know, and uh, every now and then he, he gives me a little smile. But, um, but he says, God, I don't think so because I prepared the heart of Rebecca and Isaac together and they never even saw each other. But the moment they met each other, they were in love. And he said, just as the Holy Spirit has been preparing you, I've been preparing them. And so he said, just walk in this new relationship knowing that the love that you feel is the love that I have given and not the love that we have to manufacture. And so I'm excited in that. I can I tell you that you are, you are what we prayed for. You are what we prayed for. Many a days, many a nights, we prayed. We, we, we said, Lord, is there anyone <laughs> that is... That is uh, that can, that can deal with us, Lord. Is there anybody? And thankfully, there was. And uh, I was talking to Scott Bernard the other day, and, and, and I, I made a comment to him. I think it resonated with him, and, and, uh, and it's still just in my heart with you, is that we can't wait to, to do life together with, with you guys, to share life together. We're looking forward to that. My family and I are looking forward to all of it. Um, so let's start. Let's get into the Word this morning. I feel like my heart is, uh, I, I was going a, a certain direction, and, and the Lord just said, no, let's just do this particularly for today. So this is not a sermon series. We're not jumping off in a certain direction. Today is a one-off message that the, like the Lord just wanted to, let's just talk about this one thing, Scott, and then let's get into uh, where we're going to go directionally. And so I want to talk to you today about waiting for it, to wait for it. Now, what does that mean? I can just kind of explain the, the power of that. When I was about uh, 11 or 12 years old, my uncle and my dad took me out, and he gave me a, uh, it was the first time I, I shot a side-by-side 12-gauge double-trigger shotgun. And they put me 
up against the side of the car, and they say, okay, Scott, when, when, I, when the, the ski, when they, when they like, fly past you, you know, if you're really good, you can catch them at the right time, but you got to wait for it, right? And so I was sitting there, and, man, I was so, I was so eager. Uh, here I am. Now, when I was 12, I was about 4'7", just so you all know. I mean, I, I grew up a little bit, grew out more. But, but I was sitting there watching the, the skeet to, to cross each other, and it, as soon as they did, I pulled that trigger. And when I did, you all know what happened. I pulled both of them. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I had a bullseye all on my arm for about two weeks. Uh, that was a, a lesson in waiting for it. Um, I had a good friend. He, he, uh, he shoots for the United States Air Force, and he was showing me how to shoot skeet. And he says, Scott, he goes, the, the, the real secret in shooting 25 out of 25 is just waiting for it. You know, the whole time, you're anxious the whole time, but you got to wait to wait for it. How many of you guys open up presents one at a time in your house, right? You got all your presents, and you're waiting for Everybody's opening one, opening one, opening one, opening one. Am I the only person in here that does that? Or y'all just like free for all like a buffet, y'all into it, you know? We wait one for one for one. And I cannot tell you at the age of 45, I'm still like, you may help you with that. Can I help you get a knife with that, you know? And, and, you know, they're just like, oh, this is so nice. And then I love when you double box that. That's so great. You thought about everybody else in the room, right? Because we want to get to ours, and you over there double tripping boxing stuff. And so um, I, it, it was a whole other meaning when we talk about wait for it because it's difficult to wait for something, right? When you know you have an expectation and you're eager. Um, and so today, I just felt like the Lord just spoke to us and says, wait for it. Wait for it. And one of the questions that come to mind when we talk about wait for it is, is what are we waiting for? And then, and then for me, I'm a why guy. Like, you can tell me all day, but I want to know why. And, and that is, is, why are we waiting for it? You know, that's great. What are we waiting for is, is huge, but, but can, I, can I understand why? We're waiting for it. And so before we leave today, we're going to answer those questions. Just know you're not alone in that line of questioning, nor are you the first. The prophet uh, Habakkuk was a, um, uh, a questioner as well. 605 B.C., he was, he was the prophet. His name, really, if you read his word, his name is Habakkuk. You know, that's his name, but that doesn't sound real southern. So um, I, I just think that we'll call him Habakkuk. That sounds southern, right? In fact, I thought, you know, that sounds so southern. Habakkuk sounds like your cousin that showed up at your family reunion, you know? And you're like, that's Habakkuk. You're like, what? Why would he? Well, his mom said that she gave him a, he, he, he gave her a back kick, you know, when he was delivered. And so that's where he got his name from, a back kick, you know? <laughs> it ain't going to get no better. You might as well just laugh, all right? That's just going to be what it is. <laughs> if you want better dad jokes, go talk to Madeline, my oldest. She does it way better than I do. So in 605 B.C., Babylon was coming in. And they were, to, they were going to take away Israel and the remaining parts of Judah off to Babylon to keep them there for about 70 years in captivity. And, and this is where Jeremiah and, and Habakkuk was, was prophesying. They, so Habakkuk was complaining to God in, in, in his whole prophecy in his book. And he was, he was just saying, Lord, this ain't right. I see the unrighteous punishing the righteous. And how can you, God, with pure eyes... See those things that are impure. How do you allow that to happen? And so I don't know if you've ever had that moment with God, but God, I, I, I say sometimes, Lord, I don't know how you're just allowing these things to happen. You are a just and righteous God. God, how can the unborn continue to be murdered? Those things that just don't make sense sometimes. And that's where Habakkuk was. And he was making his complaint. And the Lord responds to him, Habakkuk 
chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. On the screen you should see it. And it says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It, has, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. And if it seems slow, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The Lord was simply saying that there is a vision. There is a plan. And the plan is to not allow you to go through the pain and suffering that you are going through forever. There is an end. There, there is a time and a season to everything. And even if deliverance will never come, if healing never looks like it will ever come or salvation never feels like it's ever going to come, you're, you're going to know this. He says if you'll just wait, if you'll wait, healing will come. If you'll wait, deliverance will come. I don't know about you, but I, I've struggled with some problems in my life, some addictions in my life. And I thought, Lord, it's ne- it, deliverance will never come. And it came. In fact, I was going through my journal not too long ago, and, and, and I, I was writing about the same thing I was struggling with. Twelve years later, I looked at it and realized it came. It came. And I didn't even catch it. I didn't even realize that it happened because the Lord was just moving things in my life, and that was just one of those things that he got out of the way. And I didn't even know because I got so tired of praying for it. But the Lord just went ahead and moved it out of my, my life. Wait for it. But just not waiting around. It's not like a, a hospital wait. Y'all ever been in the doctor's office and it's been like a three-hour wait? You know, you're sick, you're about to die, or you're in pain, whatever it is, and they just say, wait there. I'm not talking about that type of wait. Um, I'm talking about an intense wait. Hosea 6, 9 refers to this type of waiting. Um, it says, as robbers lie in wait for a man, so the priests band together. They murder on the way to Shechem. The, they commit villainy. And so that word, lie in wait, they are eagerly waiting. How many hunters are in the room? You know, is that it? In Harrison, Arkansas, that's all it was up? I'm lost. I, I thought I was back down in the hood in Jacksonville again. Y'all only got three or four here. Okay, so, so when you're, now I know there's two types of hunters is what I know. You got those who are catching up on the Home Shopping Network and the view in your stand, right? Or ESPN or whatever you're doing up there. And you got other folks that just breathing down the scope, making it heavy the whole time, right? Three or four hours. And, and, and the, the, the difference is this, that one who is eagerly waiting, right, patiently, just knowing. They're the ones that bring home the, the buck, right? They got this huge rag. Everybody else is like, boy, I saw one today. And you ain't got no proof. You ain't got no proof. Because you were waiting, but you weren't eagerly waiting. In fact, you weren't waiting with expectation. You weren't um, patiently waiting in, in that regard. And so... Um, let me just say today is that you have to learn to have patience in your way. I, I, I love to fly fish. And no, I'm not an outdoorsman entirely, but these are, these are my parables for today. Uh, I love to fly fish. And uh, one thing I, I love is just sitting there being anxious, riddled with anxiety, waiting for my fish to hit that fly. And can I tell you that if I'm just out there talking with people, which most of the time when I go fishing, that's what I'm doing, right? I'm not even trying to feed my family. I'm just trying. But there's times when the fishing is good and everybody wants to talk. I'm like, be quiet. Because this fish is like this in the water, which means it's a lot like this when you bring it out, you know. And so I'm just waiting on it, and I have to watch, and I have to be very intentional because I'm waiting for something that only has a brief moment. Can I tell you that in your life, 
that the Lord has something that if you'll pay attention, he'll give you the window. He'll put it right there in front of you. You feel like you've been waiting for a long time. I'm just saying, don't just give up and say, well, if the Lord brings it about. No, stay in tune with the heart of God. Be in that place that when he speaks, you hear. When he shows you, you see. If Moses wasn't in the cleft of the rock, he never would have seen the glory of God because he had to be in a place where he could wait at the right time and the right moment. Don't miss the glory of God because you got tired or lazy or idle or distracted, whatever it might be. Turn to uh, John chapter 5 with me this morning. John chapter 5. The pool of Bethesda. I'm sure you've read this before. This is a great story. Read with, read with me uh, one through three. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof uh, colonnades, and that is standalone covered porches. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, I want to just kind of show you what we're talking about. I, I'm a visual person. I like to see what I'm, what I'm reading and knowing. And so if you'll show that first picture, you'll see Pool of Bethesda is about right. Now, this is not, you know, I didn't go take this last week, but this is a, a remodel of what it used to be. And so the Pool of Bethesda is right here on these corners here. And so when people came in, you'll see the covered porches. Like, I don't know if you can see in the back, but the covered porches were all the way around, and the pools were inset uh, around those areas. And the Pool of Bethesda was was known for its miraculous power of healing people. Show that second one. Here's what it looks like now. And so you can see the arch where we saw a while ago. And at the bottom of that arch, you'll see some steps at the bottom of that screen. And going down is where that pool is. And so when we're talking about the invalid laying around, I want you to know everybody's kind of laying around at the top, and they're all trying to race down like a slip and slide down there trying to get into the pool. And so, so it wasn't real easy. It wasn't just like... The, the, the waters were stirred and they just jumped in. No, it took some real effort. It took some real intentionality to get down in there. And who knows, maybe they fought over each other. I don't know. A bunch of lame people fighting is not, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be comical, would it? <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive me. Anyway, so, so that's what we're looking at today. So let's read on. Verse 5. One man was there who had been there, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And not once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. I want to bring your attention to a couple of things, but one of the most important things I want you to look at is when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been already been there a long time. Now, I want you to paint the picture because he's been invalid for 38 years, right? That's a long time to be lame or crippled or blind or whatever it might be. And when he finally hears that there are waters that he might be healed by, you know he's working his way to get there. Now, I don't know how long a long time is but I presume it was so long that when Jesus walked on the scene, he probably knew the person who had been there the longest because they can't get healed. And so if I'm just knowing who Jesus is, who, who his heart appeals to those who are the least of these, he probably finds the person who's been there longer than anybody else and says, that's the man 
that's going to be healed today. And so he goes to this man, and he finds him. And notice that Scripture doesn't emphasize how he got there. It's just that he was there for a long time. I don't know if you know what it's like to wait for a long time. I remember when they used to sell Apple iPhones, right? And people would camp out for days. They would have tents and food and TV, everything else, people, because they wanted that. They couldn't wait. They want to be the first inside the store. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but that's crazy to me. I just wait two weeks and press the button on the internet and ship it to me, you know? But some people want that. They want their first. They want to be in it first. And I think, man, where is that same zeal for the house of God, right? I mean, I would, wouldn't it be something that if a church, before the service was even opened up, people just lined up around the, crazy enough. I used to work at Waffle House a long time ago. And uh, don't, don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I used, to, I used to, I could cook up in Waffle House, boy. We'd do all kinds of stuff in Waffle House. But on Christmas Eve, people would wrap the building because that was just their tradition. They could not wait to get in and celebrate um, being there. And, and, and so what I want you to just to conjure up was the excitement, the anticipation that if, if they could just get in to the pool, their life would change. But here's the key to it all. The key was is that not that he was laying a long time. The key was he was there in the right place. There in the right place. You need to know that in our lives, the ability to be recipients of something so great and so good is found in the power of waiting. It's in the power of being there, being in the moment. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? At the right place where you're supposed to be. I want you to know that he wasn't trying to get social media updates. His friends weren't calling him. He wasn't catching fake news on TV. He was waiting in the moment, and, and I want to ask you today, is that wherever you are in your life and whatever you're waiting on God to do, are you still there where you should be? Are you still at the place? Have you been faithful? Have you remained in the place that said, Lord, whenever you're ready, whenever you come by, I'm going to be right here where you need me to be because there's something so drastically important. When, I, when we pray, it's so hard to stay there. Amen? It's difficult. We pray, we process our emotions, or we process our needs, and then we're done. We're ready to leave. But we forget sometimes the Lord just might walk by and see us there in prayer and actually give everything to us. This man was needing something. And the fact that he was in a place to receive God's word and receive it at the same time is something we would love to have. I would love for people to come down here and pray. And when they left, it was done. Amen? That they would go back to their work and say, man, I was sick, but I went to church. They prayed for me, and I'm whole. And I see you're crippled. You might need to come with me. Let me just bring you to church. Because I know if you go down front, you'll be prayed for. Why? Because I know where the there is. I know where the place to be is. And that place is never the easy place. It's always the place we want to be the shortest because it requires a lot of dependence and patience on God. But hear me, just wait for it. Just wait for it. Can I tell you that if you're single and you're looking for a spouse, or you're looking for a friend, or you're looking for a job, or you're looking for your marriage to be reconciled, or you're looking for healing in your body, can I tell you to stay right there? Don't move. 
don't walk away. But when God comes by and says, do you need something from me? Yes, Lord. I've been waiting here for a long time. Church, hear me. Stay right there. Do you need healing for your body, deliverance for your addiction, peace for your future, a joy for your pain, hope for your marriage, grace and mercy over your lost sons and daughters? Stay right there. Stay right there. Let me just tell you a story about my, my life staying right there. I was, uh, last summer, um, man, I was just about to the end. I just about I had to throw in the towel. I was just burnt. Um, it gave a lot of time and hours and and, um, and, man, I was just like, Lord, my heart is to preach and to pastor. And I'm not doing either of those things. And I'm tired. And I've been waiting on you for, you know, uh, in his, on his clock it was a couple seconds, you know. But I've been waiting here for years, Lord. You know, and the Lord's like, oh, that, okay, that's a couple seconds ago. You're, you're fine. Um, but I'm like, I'm tired of being here, Lord. I'm tired of being here. I want to be in the there, but I'm, right now I'm in the here. And I really just wanted to just to, to cash in, to be done with it. And so I, I had an opportunity to go to a church, and um, uh, we had been seeking God. What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And the Lord just kept telling me, wait. And so I, I knew a guy who was a great preacher. Uh, That's the first time I visited a church probably in 10-plus years. I've always been at, at MacArthur forever. And so um, I was there, and uh, he says, today we're going to talk about something. It's called... Waiting on the Lord. And I was like, no, Lord, we're not talking about waiting on the Lord. We're not ta- I'm at the wrong church, God. I, I need to go. Uh, the Lord is taking you somewhere. Not waiting on the Lord. I'm in the wrong place. And so, man was preaching. did a great job. And he finally gets to a place in his sermon. And he says, he just walks off the stage. And he says, I feel like, I feel like a spirit of prophecy just came over me. I got something to say to somebody specific in here. Specific. I want you to hear what God says. God says, I see you. I know where you are. He says, I know you're ready to move, but here's the thing. The Lord is telling you to stay right where you're at. Stay right where you're at. You just keep serving, keep loving, keep doing what you're supposed to do. And don't y'all know, I loved it that the Lord was talking to me, but I hated the message. You know what I mean? I said, Lord, you know my heart. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of asking. I'm tired of pleading. I'm tired of nothing changing. Y'all ever been there before? I'm just tired of it, Lord. And I believe that you're a God who can change and a God who will. And so I just need you to be everything I've read you to be. And the Lord said, I am. And I will. But for right now, stay right there. I want you to know that 90 days later, the Lord told me, it's time to go. 60 days later, he said, you've reached your destination. And 30 days later, I'm here right now on this day telling me to do all that's in my heart. I want you to know is that the Lord hears it. He knows your heart. He knows your, Lord, I just pray right now, Father, in this service. I pray, God, for someone who's just struggling to stay right there, Lord. That you'd give them the courage and the strength, God, and the ability, Lord, to keep on enduring. God, don't let them give up. God, don't let them give up. God, send, God, people around them, Lord. Send us, Lord, to strengthen them, Father. But don't allow them, God, to cash out, God, and miss the opportunity and the blessing and the glory of God that you long for them to see. I pray, God, you keep us there. 
right where you want us to be and continue, Lord, to work on us, Father. Build us in our patience. Build us in our endurance, God. We ask in Jesus' name. It's funny, I see this man, he didn't have, he didn't really have a problem. Uh, his problem was is that no one really cared for him is what he thought it was. Because he's wanting to get into the waters to be healed, right? But the, for him, he says, there's no one there to carry me. I don't have a friend. I need someone to help me to get there. And I think a lot of times in our situations in life, we just feel like, man, if someone was just understanding of where I was going through in life, I just had a friend. But I'll tell you what, Jesus was that friend that, that came up and carried him through. And what's difficult is that not only did he have a friend, but everyone was being healed. Everyone was being made whole. Time after time after time, he saw other people being healed. Have you been there? Lord, I, I'm praying for healing, and I'm glad the rest of the world is now whole. But I need healing in my body as well. I'm tired of seeing every other marriage. I'm tired of seeing everybody else love their job. I'm tired of all the, Lord, I just need to, I need to experience that too. And it is so difficult when you're praying for the things in your life and you see everybody else, you know how it depicts it like social media, like everything's just perfect, everything's great, and your life is sitting there struggling. I think sometimes when we see everything else happening and we're trying to stay in the place and be wait, uh, to wait and be patient, um, we start to ask questions like this. It's like, why am I the only one that's not being whole? Is there... Is there Lord, is there something wrong with, with, with Scott Brandon? Is there something wrong with me? Have, have I done something? That, that, that is, am I like King David? Is there too much blood on my hands that I, I can't receive what I'm asking for? Why, why is it, Lord? Am I, not, am I not worth it? Why does God wait so long sometimes? Why? And the reason for the wait are a couple things. Turn with me to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Why does he take so long sometimes? Because he's good, because he's faithful, because he's loving, because he's patient, because he doesn't give anything that doesn't return with glory on it. Second Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's not slow because he's patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. When I read he's patient towards you, that's dealing with the long suffering of God in terms of salvation. This is a, this is a message concerning salvation. But what you need to know is that the Lord definitely is patient towards you. Thank God that he didn't, the rapture didn't come five years ago for some of y'all, or 10 years ago for some of you guys, or 20 years. Why? Because he was patient towards you. He allowed you to get to a place where you could finally wake up and say, I do need to, and I do want to receive you. And so the Lord was patient for you. Thankfully, he didn't give you some of the things that you, you needed. When, when Julie and I first met, oh, thank God. When we first met, I didn't like her at all. I saw her for a glimpse, and I had all kinds of bad thoughts. Thankfully, the Lord was patient towards me and allowed me to be mature to receive such a gift. That's how I felt about it later on. Sometimes we ask God for great things. Here's the thing. You're not just ready to receive it just yet. 
And so he's patient towards you, and he waits for you because he's a good father who wants good things. God does not want to hold things back from you. God is not allowing you to, to remain in an addiction because he doesn't feel like you've matured just yet. He's not allowing you to struggle in your life or not show you the clarity of your future because he's busy building homes. That's not it at all. The Lord is patient towards you because the good thing that he has, he's going to give you, but he wants you to be able to steward it well and also to benefit from it rightly. I don't give my eight-year-old a car. I would if she needed it, but I knew if I gave it to her, it would it would. Destroy her. Hold on a second. It would destroy her because she's not ready. Like I am with this mic. She's not ready to receive those things. And so sometimes we pray for stuff, and the Lord says, you got to wait. Lord, why? Because I'm patient towards you. Because I want you to understand the fullness of my blessing when I give it to you. Sometimes that's the way it works. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Look at this, uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 through 23. You guys probably didn't know y'all going to do sword drills today, but here we are. That's, that's an old school phrase. I'm, I'm sure show me young people like, what, what is a sword drill? <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 says this, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight. This is Gabriel, the archangel, right? At the time of the evening sacrifice, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Now skip down to the next chapter, verse 12. Verse 12. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, from the first day. I don't know, many times I've prayed prayers, and I feel like my prayers never reached heaven. But the Lord tells me, but from the first day, that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Your words have been heard. And I have become because of your words. I heard you. And I came. I know you haven't seen the result yet. But that does not mean that heaven is silent before you. That does not mean that heaven is, is displeased with you. That does not mean that heaven is putting away and that you've not earned its merit. and its No, that's not it. That, that the Lord said, send the answer. But, but, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is a demonic power, withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help. For I was there, or I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. I need you to understand, sometimes there's waiting because the Lord is waiting on mankind. And sometimes there's waiting because there's a war in the heavenlies. That sometimes you're praying for things. You can be praying for that spouse for years. Just keep on battling. Keep on warring. It's not just a simple thing. It's not because they're going to wake up one day and just receive Christ. No, Satan does not want you to be saved. He does not want your marriage to be whole. He doesn't want your kids to... Am I excited about myself today? 
He don't want it. He don't want it. And we want to give up spiritual battles so fast because we don't want to stay there. We don't want to wait for it. Here's some faith. We're going to battle. We're going to battle. We're going to battle. We will battle each and every day because nothing, nothing is better then when you see your kids lift your, their hands in holiness and thankfulness and gratitude, and you'll say, Lord, I'll battle every day if I got to. Lord, I don't know how long he or she may not love you, but I will love that spouse regardless of what they do to me or, or say to me. I will war in the flesh, and I will war in the heavenlies, but I'm going to receive my answer one of these days. One of these days. My mom, she's here today, and, and uh, I wasn't always a great kid. <laughs> I had a few broken halos, and so um, my mom told me years, years past, she said, Scott, I used to pray for you, and, uh, and thankfully <laughs> she did, and she said, I used to anoint your shoes with oil, uh, and I say, what? <laughs> you did what? You anointed my, that's why I couldn't get them stains out. You know, mom, like them, them oil stains are real, you know. Um, but she anointed my shoes with oil, and she said, Scott, you wouldn't listen to me. I tried to teach you the truth, but you thought you knew better. Imagine that, you know, in the omniscient stage of the early 20s, you know, or, or your late teens. Um, and, so, and so everywhere I went, she prayed that the Holy Spirit would convict me of where I'm going. And that's just a small taste of what she did. She, she battled for me. She worked for me. She claimed me not only as her son, right? But she, she, she claimed me for the glory of God. That I'm not just her son, but I'm his son. And she wasn't going to be okay with me just being her son. And so can I ask you is, where, what are you willing to war over? Are you willing just to, some of y'all might wake up tomorrow, y'all got oil all in your shoes. <laughs> I love you, boy. I love you, girl. Just know this oil in your shoes that you're sloshing around, and that's me loving you, you know? Whatever it takes, Mom and Dad. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Now, some of y'all might come back and say, I did that to my coworker. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. As I close today, uh, I want to ready our hearts. I don't know how I can preach, wait for it. I don't know how I can preach staying right there if we don't, if we don't surrender ourselves in prayer. There's no good to wait for it if we're not asking God to come. And so today, Habakkuk 1.5, I want you to read this, this passage. It struck me pretty deeply. Remember, Habakkuk's going back and forth, and he's complaining to God, and God responds. He complains again. God responds. And so in the first response, the Lord responds to Habakkuk, and he says this in verse 5, chapter 1. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Caleb, would you play that um, song, Morgan? He won't. Thank you. Um, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now, when I read that at first, I thought, whoa, whoa, I, I love it when the Lord says, 
I'm going to do something so amazing that you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I thought, Lord, that's what I want. And the Lord said, no, no, go back and read that again. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And as I read down further, what he was doing was he was bringing Babylon, that unrighteous pagan culture, to bring judgment to Israel. And so the thing that he was doing was not really amazing in terms of good, but amazing in terms of bad. And I thought, Lord, I, I really don't want that verse. That's not a great verse, you know. I need something encouraging. And the Lord just said, Scott, sometimes I allow tragic things to happen because you get to be in places in life that I don't want you to be any longer. I needed Israel to be here, and they were here. And so sometimes I can't get you out of the comfort zone, so I allow certain things to happen because I'm a sovereign God. I do ordain things, and I do allow things. And so he says, I needed to break Israel from the status quo of their life. And so don't judge me in the tragedy. My heart towards you is something greater. I didn't want them to continue on with what they had. I wanted something greater. So sometimes the Lord says, if I have to allow something to hit you so hard that you look at him in a way of betrayal, God, you betrayed us, you left us. How, do, how in the world did you just leave us here abandoned and hopeless? How did you allow strife and contention to rise up? He says, basically, just know this. Just know that if you feel that way, Israel, then know the work has already begun. Just know that if I, the Lord, come down and have begun to work, even when it seems bad, even when it seems horrible, even when it seems painful, even when it seems difficult, even if it seems trying and no end, no relief in sight, just know I'm working. Let that be the evidence of my work in your life. Just know that I'll no longer sit idly by, that I came down from heaven. Why, Lord, why would you let all that stuff happen? Why would you allow the unrighteousness to manifest in our life? Why would you allow those things to hurt us so deeply when we trusted you so intensely? And here's the answer. Something blew me away. Did you know that in, in 605 B.C., uh, Habakkuk was writing his prophecy, his book, but another major prophet was also writing at the same time, 605 B.C. So he was dealing with Habakkuk about what was going to happen, but he was dealing with Jeremiah about why it was going to happen. And what I want you to see is this. When I, when I saw this, I thought, mmm, mmm, Lord. Lord, if, if, it has to be, if it has to be hard, if it has to be difficult, that's fine. Here's why he, he told Habakkuk that he's going to do something that you've never seen before. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. I'm bringing the Babylonians to come over here. You're going to think that I'm not in this. You're going to think I'm not in this. You're going to think this is not me. This is not of God. How can this happen? And he says, it is of me. It is of me. Why? Because I know the plans I have for you, Israel. I know the plans I have for you, Harrison Faith. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. I got greater things than you experienced before. But we can't go there until we go through some difficulty. We got to go through some heartache. Why? Because you got to trust me intrinsically and intensely. You got to trust me. I'll lead you through it. I'll walk you through it. 
Can I tell you, church, every disappointment, every act of strife and contention, every feeling of loss, loneliness, and betrayal Israel encountered was because the Lord's plans for her was something greater for her current state of life. Can I tell you that if he'll do that for Israel, if he'll do that for Israel, he'll do that for us, right? Our story here is not a, a failure. It's a victory. I want you to know today, I want you to hear my heart today, that that all of this is evidence that God has been working in Harrison faith. It, not, not just the rejoice, but the hurt and the pain. That's evidence that God has come to do a greater work. And you know how it is. You, you don't have the joy of a child unless you go through the, the travail of giving birth to that child. So let's move through that. Notice how, notice how Habakkuk replies in all the face of suffering. He says this. Verse 18, chapter 3, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer who jumps up the side of a mountain and doesn't miss a step. He makes me tread on the high places. And what I took that as is the Lord is simply saying this, Scott, you're not going to miss a step, and you're not just going to plod on just merely and lackadaisically. But like you see the deer that rejoice with joy on the mountaintops, so too will Harrison Faith have that same joy. And so I just would tell you this morning, these are not my words. I had something different I wanted to preach. The Lord said, no, before we carve out any direction at all, I need them to know this first. And so would you join with me this morning? I'm asking God, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if you feel the, I'm just going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come pray, because we need to seek God, humble ourselves, and let the Lord not only just do work, but continue work, but not just for us. There are other sheep not here, and I believe that the Lord is going to bring them here. Will you come as I pray? Father in heaven, I ask you. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, God, that you would know, God, that we have given ourselves to you. And so, Father, we, we surrender ourselves to you. Father, we stay right there. God, we remain patient in the day. God, give us the ability, Father, to focus on you, Lord, to cause our thoughts, our passions, our desires, Lord, all those things. God, let our attention, God, be holy you. God, restore the joy of our salvation, God. Restore, God, that, that, that loss in our heart. God, restore, God, uh, the glory, God, that we used to see your life in every aspect of our life. But morning, God, came in and stole things. I pray, God, for our healing, God, not to start but to finish, Lord. We look forward, God, to the days we proclaim your word, we proclaim your joy, we proclaim your glory, your love to people who are going through similar instances and situations and, and problems like we have gone through. God, give us the word. God, give us the sermon. God, give us knowledge, Lord, that we might speak hope and life into a people, God, who don't even know it exists. I pray, God, you would do that through us. Use us, Lord, to be your people. Use us to be your hands. Use us to be your mouthpiece and allow our hearts, God, to humble before you and seek you without moving, without changing. Help us, Lord, to remain there and to wait for you.